Hey everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about the stream of many eyes, uh, people getting mysterious keys from Wizards of the Coast, and my trip to Thailand. Hello everybody, welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian over at Sir Lucian Gaming. And I am exhausted because I am back from Thailand and I'm a little jet lagged. And even though I slept last night, I took a I took a melatonin to help me sleep. Um, I'm just like drowning in or drinking tons of coffee and trying to just kind of stay focused. So this will be an interesting one, uh, an interesting show, I think. Sir Lucian probably wishes that he had a different co-host. <laughs> Well, let's chat give you some energy. Everybody in chat, make sure you send your energy to Jordan this morning. Get him woke up. Yeah, I need to wake up. Um, and also, I really did unplug for the most part. Um, I checked Twitter every once in a while. I saw that there was something going on. But like, as far as D&D news, I don't know what's been happening in the last two weeks. So do yeah. you want to fill me in? What's going on? We got a stream of many eyes, I hear. And that's yeah. about all I know. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's kind of a little bit of what they've been announcing and hinting at over the last week. Um, they've been talking about finally who's going to be in it, or at least some of the DMs are going to be running it. It sounds like they're, they've rented or have access to a pretty good size studio over in California to put this thing on. Sweet. And not only are they going to stream all of the games, but they're also going to have like live seating. So there's going to be some live audience because you can buy tickets okay. to it. I think I remember that. Yeah. You there. could buy tickets because yeah. I saw Holly Conrad was tweeting that you could watch like dice camera action live and they were selling tickets and stuff, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And so they, the hashtag has been hashtag S O M E D and D, or I like the, I, when I look at it, I think some D and D, but it is the stream of many eyes D and D. Um, and it's the announcement basically of the new storyline. So yeah. the new adventure book that's going to come out. Cause we just had, or we're about to have Mordecai's tome, which I think is next week. Yeah. I, it comes out. Well, when it so, I'm lame and I get mine on Amazon because it's cheaper. <laughs> um, so it comes out at the end of the month for like everybody else, but it's in game stores two weeks before. So it should be next week. I think I think it's next week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'll get to go down and pick mine up and then I'm sure we'll talk about it on one of our shows. And like Lex mentioned, uh, Satine is now an official wizards of the coast wizard, just like Kate Welch. And I wanted that they're job. Just hiring. Yeah. Yeah. They're just hiring all kinds of great people. And, uh, the atmosphere at that place sounds great. It sounds like a dream <laughs> job for anybody. Um, never let your dreams, you know, I'm sure I think Kate has said it and Satine has said it, you know, <laughs> they've never thought they would ever be able to work for, you know, something they love so much and look yeah. at it, they just, they're there, you know, so keep, keep that hope alive. You never know. Um, so the new storyline, some of the videos have still been about Mordecai and push. So we've still been hearing, they've been releasing little snippets about, um, things they were talking about in the books and some of the new races, some of the new creatures, they were showing a, a pager here, there on some of the shows. Um, and they're still doing the subclass building with Mike Burles. And even this week, Jeremy Crawford talked about building subclasses and their philosophy behind it, how they do it. And I noticed this week, Jeremy was a little bit more active on Twitter than he was last week on starting to answer some of the D and D questions again, or like, you know, the things that pop up, like there's been a big discussion cause he's, I think he's changed his stance a little bit on bonus action, which was interesting um, and how bonus actions work. So if you keeping up on Jeremy's Twitter, 
um, you'll see that there's been a lot of discussion about bonus action stuff, which is interesting. So I think like, that's about like the D&D now I'm, now I'm confused. Uh, what's his, what was his stance on bonus actions and how did it change? I would have to read have it. Have to read it again? But it, was, it has to do with when something happens as an ability that says it's triggered when a bonus action happens. Gotcha. And I think he's... The general rule was the thing um, happens before, but like if it, so if I have a, an ability that triggers when you use a bonus action, then my ability triggers the moment you say you're going to use your bonus action. Mm -hmm. So it triggers and in his view, that was the general rule. And then your bonus action would go on. But I think what he's changed, he says it makes more sense now as he's thought about it more. And it seems to be an exception that the bonus action needs to happen and complete before whatever ability triggers off that happens. So okay. it doesn't interrupt the bonus action. It's a result of the bonus action being taken, I think is where he's gone with it. So, um, and I may be misrepresenting. I think that's the way that I understood it as I read those tweets, but you might go back and take a look. It was, a, it was an interesting thing to look at because it was a lot of bonus action talk this week, I noticed. So Stream of Many Eyes is going to be in June? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, when stream of annihilation happened how long before we actually like how because they announced uh tomb of annihilation there how long was it until we got tomb of annihilation I'm trying to remember was it like three months four months it felt like that was the gap yeah okay yeah. and i think the books are somewhere around three to four months apart for okay. the books they released because like we had xanathars three or four months ago and now we're getting more to canaan's and then we'll have, you know, three or four months from now, I believe we will get the... The next adventure. Um, the next one, yeah. It yeah. feels like Spelljammer. Like, they have a couple of, like, Spelljammer races, and then the Gith Yankee and the Gith Zarai, and then specifically, like, Stream of Many Eyes makes you think of Beholders. Yeah. Um, and Beholders are a very Spelljammer-y type monster as well that um, I'm like, what are they doing? Are they taking this huge leap? And they... And if you watch some of their other videos, um, there was like a lore you should know that I was watching. I think I got, only got about halfway through it, but they were talking about, um, oh yeah, Spelljammer, the the setting that everybody loves that we're, we apparently aren't giving enough attention to and things like that. But the fact that they're dropping these little hints here and there, I'm like, are, are you, I don't know. It, it seems that they won't because it's not... Like that's that's taking a, that's going way out of the way that's of a big like leap. traditional that's a big D &D. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, a big yeah. it's a big leap. But I still think like the majority of people would really love some kind of cool. I don't know. Maybe if they had rules in this new adventure that you could use for either space or seafaring vessels, things like that would be kind of interesting. Yeah, I was. I Lex in chat was kind of in the direction that I was going. He was talking about his friend's theory, and and you can say this is my theory. Is I think they're about to do a deep dive on Waterdeep once again, because that's been Waterdeep city itself mm. has been covered quite a bit. It's one of the most mapped cities I can think of in all the different editions that you can find. You can find mega maps out there that are like, they must be 20 feet tall. Yeah. And the papers are laid out on the ground of this tremendous size city that they've built and that people have mapped out and, and listed out. And I'm wondering if it's now 2018 D&D &D fifth editions saying here's, here's Waterdeep, you know, fifth edition version. And 
boom, you know, just drop mm-hmm. it on us is what I was wondering. Because is... to me, I mean, if you bring out a Xanathar's Guide book, yeah. which is the <laughs> is the guy. Well, that's what I was going to ask. The Xanathar, he's underneath Waterdeep, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the whole thing. He's way deep and down. And that's a big... So that might get us back into the Underdark again. That might get us back underground again. We haven't really had that in 5th edition because what... We've well, had yeah, a lot the, of cult. Uh, what's yeah. the one with the the Underdark? Yeah, yeah, they had that yeah. one. No, like, did they have th- that uh, adventure? Fifth edition? Yeah, yeah, for fifth edition, um, uh, to, uh, out of the abyss. Out of the abyss was completely okay, the in one. the Underdark. Yeah, yeah, so. that's the one I missed. Then, yeah, yeah, because I was thinking they out of the abyss. Then they had uh, Dragon, uh, Cult of the Dragon Queen, right? Horde of the yeah, Dragon Queen. Yeah. Stuff of the dragon queen we run a professional so dnd show ladies yeah. and gentlemen we eat breathe and live this stuff so that's why we cannot remember the names of these adventures <laughs> we homebrew too much is our problem yeah it's true <laughs> but uh you know storm king's thunder tomb of annihilation so it's brought us in a lot of places mm-hmm. um, it'll be interesting where it takes us next but we, um, you're think- right we haven't had like a full city adventure like if they did an adventure that was just in Waterdeep, well you where you never had to leave Waterdeep, that would be yeah. that would be different and would be really really cool because it's no yeah. longer this like let's explore let's get to this point you're like in a city um exploring yeah, what a does city that adventure but look like? yeah what yeah. would that look like that would be really cool actually if that's yeah now i gotta make uh-huh. well i think i made a Waterdeep video now i'm probably gonna make another one so. <laughs> get ready for it yeah try to try to jump on it <laughs> for stream of annihilation they dropped all these hints about chult and i made this video about chult and i released it like immediately when they when they said because uh, i was watching the stream immediately when they were like here's our new adventure and it's going to be in chult i hit publish on my youtube channel and people were like were you in on this because they literally just announced it and you're posting this video and i was like no but they dropped enough hints so i hope they drop another bunch of hints that i can get a video out because it'd be interesting i definitely recommend it yeah it's fun (laughs) get a jump on it now because even if they're just rumor mongering why not have a video out there for the rumor yeah that's true if they're wrong so yeah so i think it's exciting i'm always excited for a new adventure path um it's obvious that when you get adventure paths you usually get good adventure that you can add to your campaign or you can usually start your group on this new whatever it is most of the time they have a tie-in to how you can start from first level, mm-hmm. even if it is a higher level one or how to work it in if you're not first level. They usually give us um, plenty of maps and some new creatures and some new mechanics to use. Some of them will have new classes. Some of them won't. We're probably about subclassed out. I don't know if we'll see any new classes. Maybe we'll see some new races. But with Mordekanians, we're going to see a bunch of new races too. Yeah. So. We'll have to see. Maybe it's just a straight adventure. Or maybe we're completely wrong and they're finally going to go Planescape or they're finally going to go Dark Sun or they're going to go Spelljammer or they're going <laughs> to go they're going to go big time because they, they've done Forgotten Realms pretty well yeah. and covered it. It might be time for them to grab on to some of their other worlds out there and say, with Mordekainen's saying Greyhawk exists or Spelljammer exists mm-hmm. or all this other Dark Sun exists and you know the planes exist, Maybe it's time to send us out to those uh, extraordinary places too. So who knows? Oh man, it makes I'm me excited. just get so excited about. Oh, new you adventures. know who knows? Satine knows because they there was a really funny tweet out there about um, when they showed her the schedule of the upcoming releases, how she reacted when she saw all the stuff that was coming because now she's in the know and it was just like, oh, imagine <laughs> being able to see that schedule. Oh, yeah, be so good. Oh, that's fun. That's <laughs> fun. Hey, Cyberwolf, welcome. 
late to the party, but it's still an awesome party because you're here. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. So what did you do in games this week? I haven't played games in like three weeks. <laughs> Man, that just doesn't sound like a vacation to me, Jordan. I know, like, it's if true. If I'm going to go oh, on vacation, I need awful. games. <laughs> and, like, tomorrow's Mother's Day, so my group canceled. Yeah. And I'm trying to, like, I'm really trying to figure out a way of playing D&D tomorrow. I'm just like, what can, <laughs> I'm like, maybe we need to, like, run something online. I need to just, There's like, contact a, a bunch of people. Because um, I'm still in vacation mode. Like, I don't go back to work till Monday. I want to, yeah. like, do some enjoyable vacation stuff, so... Yeah, yeah, we could play some game, and I bet I could round some people up. I bet there's be some fun. people that would play. Cyberwolf plays a mean Dragonborn. Sweet, it's <laughs> so pretty good. All right, well, uh, this week, so last Sunday, just after our last um, Saturday morning Dungeon and Dragon show, well, we had uh, an interview with Jim Murphy, which was really awesome. Um, he was somebody I I got introduced to by watching Matt Colville's videos and watched a really cool interview with Matt Colville and him and always had it set that I wanted to get an interview with him if I could for our show. And we, we did, it worked out and he's a really cool guy who's been in the hobby from the beginning. So it's a good kind of person to talk to if you want to know how it started. And what I like about him too, though, is he's not, he's not the type of person that's like the gatekeeper kind of person to say, he's not the guy that says, this is how we used to do it. And now it's just all wrong. Cause they don't do it that way anymore. Right. He's excited with the way it is. He loved fourth edition. He likes fifth edition. He runs games all the time. He likes other games that were out there that are based on dungeons and dragons or are from people mm-hmm. that built dungeons and dragons. So he's, but it's really cool to go back and see how the game started, existed, why it made some of the decisions it made. It was just an interesting person. He's hosted um, conventions. He's hosted events at conventions. He's big into the living campaign stuff. Um, He's going to be starting a living campaign of his setting. And he's going to be doing a lot of streaming with Matt Coville here pretty soon, who's got his studio. So we should be seeing some stuff out of that, out of their new studio here pretty soon too. So, and we're, we're both big fans of of Matt's and and it's great that he has great success at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. so that was cool. If you missed that, you can check it out on the VOD. I'll probably send it over to Jordan if he wants to put it up on the channel. If he doesn't, I'll put it up on my YouTube channel, but we'll put it up somewhere where you guys can yeah, watch no, it on we'll, YouTube too. We'll get it up there. So Yeah. So then Sunday, we had the return of our standard ratio. Uh, PB had been um, having some computer difficulties, and we were trying to figure out how to get that up and going again, and we finally did. We talked about Mass, the new generation, which I've been big into lately, um, and I've been doing some videos on that, but we both talked about what we liked about it and how to play it and what to do if you want to play it, those kinds of things. And we talked about some really cool Kickstarters in that. So if you're looking for some cool new RPG Kickstarters that are a little bit different than the run-of-the-mill stuff you've seen, check that show out because we, we point you in the direction of a couple of really good ones. Um, Tuesday is our Tomb of Annihilation game. So we're playing Adventure League Rules Tomb of Annihilation. Uh, nobody died, thankfully. There was a lot of chances for that to happen. It was a very interesting encounter in that. I don't. I was trying not to spoil it. So if other people are still playing Tomb of Annihilation, um, I'm not, you know, spoiling anything for you. But there is a really cool encounter that happens on a 300 foot tower of stone up in the air. And obviously, if you fall off, that's going to be the end of your character. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so it made for some tense fighting. It made for some tense moving around. It had some mechanics about getting up and down. Um, there's a lot of fear there of our characters just being, you know, swept off and, mm-hmm. and being done. But uh, it went well. We had a good plan. We stuck with it, and it was it was pretty good. One of the things that came up in the um, 
discussion with RDM was some people thought that when you do a reaction attack, so like um, I, my character wanted to leave the person he was fighting to go somewhere else to help, mm-hmm. and that provides an attack of opportunity, that if you have an attack of opportunity, you get all your attacks. But the actual oh, yeah, no. is not that. Yeah, because yeah, that would be much be more one. dangerous. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it's it not necessarily even a specialized attack. It's just like one of your melee attacks that mm-hmm. you have access to. Like you if you were a wizard, you don't get a cantrip or anything like right. that. Yeah. Right. So it's a very specific reactionary attack that you get. And it's melee. It's not you can fire your bow or something like that. It's definitely a melee attack. So then we had a good discussion about that, found it in the, in the player's handbook, what it talked about. Um, so that was pretty good. And one of the other things that came up that really cemented for me this week or, or in my GMing is that I like it when there's an NPC or NPCs that are with the group helping the group because it just provides an outlet for when they get stuck as far as in, in most cases you might think, well, if they need a hint, you know, because it's just, something's just not, they can't figure out what's going on, but it's not necessarily that it wasn't that as what I was wanting. It's more the idea of the group sometimes get paralyzed because they have too many options. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden they have five different ways they can approach this tower. Yeah. All five of them are probably okay and good, but they get stuck in trying to figure out, well, which one are we going to do? And it just, it turns into a cycle. And with the NPCs there, there's a way for the GM to kind of nudge and say, well, we need to pick one or here's some more information. So now maybe it narrows it down to three. So now you guys can make a better choice of what you want to do, but it just provides the GM a, a way in to help with the conversation that you don't have necessarily. If you don't have any NPCs in the group, if it's just the group and the GM waiting for them to do something. Um, so I just feel like, and it provides opportunity to fill in silence right Mm -hmm. because if the group isn't thinking about interacting or rping you can use your npc to uh to initiate something like sitting at a campfire and the npc can say hey you seem like you uh really tore into that goblin like tore his throat out and everything what was that all about and you can then prompt something to get going where you can't really do that as much if you don't have an npc in the party yeah to, to be there when that happens, when they're just kind of staring at each other. So. And that's, and I love, uh, I guess I, I have a lot of NPCs in my games um, and not necessarily NPCs that run around with my party, but if they get invited by the party to run around with them, then they do. Um, and it's not like a DM NPC. Like I'm not leveling this guy up and he, they usually stay out of the fight unless um, the, the, my players are just like a little help, please. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Or I'll give the, the sheet to my players. And I'm like, do you want to run this NPC? since he's helping your your group because um, I don't like the idea of a DM NPC where you're trying to like play and DM at the same time. It's just like, you should yeah. just be a dungeon master. Like it's fun to be a dungeon master, but it is nice for that. Like I like the interactions that you can have. And rather than my players asking me questions where they're just like, well, what, what does this mean? Or, or what is this piece of lore? They can direct it towards the NPC. And it's just, I don't know, like it adds a, a more, layer of realism to the game because they're they're interacting with a character rather than just trying to like get information out of you as a as the the dungeon master you know yeah yeah and i think the danger is like what you pointed out 
it's not necessarily the GM has an NPC in the group. It's the GM has a player in the group, right? right. Or an actual PC. Yeah, yeah. And that's where every, if you listen to a lot of the D&D advice, they always try to tell the GMs, as much as you want to be playing these cool games too, having a full-on character sheet of your uh, totem bear barbarian right. who's going to join the group because you want to play a totem bear barbarian really bad, doesn't necessarily work out as well as you think it might. Yeah. It might actually detract from the game or make it yeah. tougher. So, so and, lean away from that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but NPCs are things that I think become um, sources of information, sources of inspiration, sources of storyline, sources of nudging you to do some role play character background stuff and, and places to help things get unstuck without really just being the GM putting their heavy hand in there and saying, Hey, the the right side door blows open of a, a strong wind, you know, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so that was interesting. So that came up in our tomb annihilation. I always try to look at the games I'm either playing in or GMing in, just the things that came up that were interesting to other GMs that they might keep in mind or yeah. see, or or even things I'm still learning as I go. Like I've never stopped learning or never stopped thinking about how I might have adjudicated something and then decide, you know what, maybe I'll do it differently this next yeah. time or. Maybe I'll think about that. No, I, I had a game where they were fighting on top of a plateau and there were they were fighting harpies who were trying to pick them up and drop them off of this like five hundred foot plateau and that it it's fun. Like it and that was really scary because it was just strength checks um and acrobatics checks to see if they could get out of the harpy before they had enough time to fly them over and drop them off of a ledge. Um because yeah, the totally harpies once they picked happen. you up moved at half speed. So it was and it was yeah, it's it makes for some realism where they're just like yeah. you know I could die in an instant as opposed to this monster whittling down my hit points. Uh, yeah. it, it definitely put a layer of urgency there. So don't do it all the we were, time, but it's, it's a true. fun mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> we were also worried just trying to climb down. Like I felt like I would have been a little bit nicer from my point of view that once they had this big battle up on top of that mm-hmm. and they had gone through all of it, that I would let them off on the getting down part, I would gloss over that montage over that a little bit. But in our game, it was like, you need to make skill checks coming down because at any point we could have made it survive this awesome battle at the top. And it was epic. Like it was, it was crazy that we could have died TPK at any moment, but then we're making these checks. And of course I miss a check on a ladder on the side of the mountain. And I'm just thinking in my head, well, crap, did we just have this heroic battle that we survived and I'm going to die because I slip <laughs> off a ladder, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God. But I was like, you know, you got you to gotta roll with the way your GM rolls and that's that's cool. But we made it down and uh, everybody survived and nobody nobody fell too far that they couldn't take the damage that they took. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> so that was pretty good. Um, Thursday night is my Borderlands game. So in that game is my West Marches game. If any of you are catch me on Twitter, which is at solution gaming, all one word Twitter. I posted out a picture of the map, the hex map I've done. So mm. it was like day one hex map when the players arrived at the new lands that they were in. There's like a day six version of it. After they've went out on an excursion and come back, there's a day 12. They went out on a different excursion and come back. So they're opening up more and more of the map. And now they're on like day 48 or something. And the map's definitely much wider and so you can kind of see their progression through the hexes if you're interested in that a lot of people liked what they saw in that so it was cool there were about just about a month almost over a month and a half of player time or character time in game time that they've been in this land um they're about to go after probably the first real bad guy 
that um, I have presented in that area, the first faction that they've run into and had some trouble with. Um, it's been really good. They are very focused group of five, which is nice. They're a good mix of veteran players. So they kind of are really go-getters and know what they want to do. Um, they've had some good class stuff. And this next fight, I think, is going to be interesting from a GM perspective because my plan is, and even though I'm sure one or two of them are in the chat, but they, they have already figured it out, that <laughs> they're in Spider Mountain at this point, um, and I'm going to keep the pressure up. So short rests and long rests are probably going to be very hard to get if they get them at all. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see how they get through this place without the rests that usually allow their characters to power back up to their full level. Right. Yeah. And I think in some ways it's implied that the game is balanced that way, that you have multiple encounters before a long rest is taken. Right. But that's not how any of my games have gone. Yeah. Right? And I don't. And I think there's been people polling other GMs and everything. And they're like, no, my, my players have one fight. They all do a long rest every single time. And before they ever get to their next fight. Yeah. So it's always like they're fighting at full power, full strength. Whereas I'm about to put my players to the test in this one. So I'm excited to see how this works out. Yeah. Matt Colville did a poll and it was overwhelmingly that you have one fight and then people would do a full rest, a long rest. Um, and in order to challenge my players more lately, I've been doing the same thing. I've really been pushing for short rests. And so I'm like, okay, you guys have traveled for like an hour or so. Um, but that traveling is hard. So it doesn't count as a short rest or whatever. And then, and then they'll have like a couple of fights, a couple encounters and they've come to me and they've said like, well, can we take a long rest? And I'm like, you can, but it's super dangerous. Like where you're at. And you're going to mess up like, like, or I'll say you just can't cause it's 10 in the 10 in the morning. Like you can't take a long rest right now because it's, it's just 10 in the morning. Like you can't, you can take a short rest, um, mm -hmm. but you risk monsters coming after you. If you take a short rest, there was another Colville thing. I think where he said he rolls 2d12. If you take a long rest and on a 11 or a 12, um, you get an encounter and that's been really good in my games too. And I've been doing that. So if they take a short rest, I'll roll a D12 on an 11. They have like a medium encounter on a 12. They have a difficult encounter. Um, yeah. and then they can rest after that, but it's another way of depleting resources and hit dice and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's what, that's what the next couple of sessions is going to be about. And I realized that by doing this style, we're going to have a couple of straight sessions that are going to be full mm -hmm. combat, full, moving from one battle to another inside this underground mountain. And we're, we'll probably won't get as much RPing going, but it's going to be a lot of tactical mm -hmm. fighting, a lot of, oh my God, there's more of them. They're coming out of the tunnels in the darkness. What's really good about this that's made it the best is that they're all my players are human. Okay. So they only oh, they have <laughs> torches and globes and it has made one of the best games I've run because of that, because everybody's not running around with 60 feet of dark vision or 120 feet of dark vision. It adds that essence of Holy crap. We can hear them just outside of the darkness. We hear their feet. We hear their chittering. We know they're there, but we cannot see them. You so know, how do just... you rule carrying a torch? Like if you, if you, if I'm a two handed weapon fighter, do I only get one one weapon because I have to carry a torch in the other hand? Yeah, they what they have done is they have 
used light spells on their helmets. Okay. Or they've used light spells on their daggers. Or they got out of one of the ruins, they've got a drift globe. Okay. And a drift globe is you can give it a command and it will follow that one person by about five feet and it follows behind them at head level. And it's only about, it's a 20 feet of regular light and 20 feet of dim vision. Okay. So it's about 40 ish feet circle and we're using roll 20. So we've got dynamic lighting on and everything. So it's not just me saying, Oh, it's in the dark and you can't see it. It's like they move their character forward and they still can't see it in the dark, but they know there's something out there and Mm -hmm. they know it's there. And then they see it at the dim light as they see just the edge of a token and they're like, holy crap, look how big that token is before it gets to them. And it's just, it really adds a lot of cool drama to it. And, yeah, yeah, uh, that sounds fun. It, the the dynamic lighting adds so much to that style of gameplay. So it's pretty fun. Um, one other thing, going back to short rest, long rest, that um, I've been doing to kind of challenge my players is during a... Um, or during I do skill challenges. And so we'll have skill challenges like, okay, you walk in the desert for like a couple hours... Um, let's do a skill challenge. If they fail that challenge, I've been taking away hit dice. So I'll just say you guys lose three hit dice and it doesn't hurt them. Like, you know, they're just kind of fine. But when they actually do have to rest and they like, you've depleted that resource. And that's been kind of a fun way of, of depleting resources, um, on, on like travel montages and things like that. Um, I really like that idea because I'm not, I'm not hurting them, but in the long run, they they just don't have as much oomph when they take a short rest and it's been kind of fun. So Yeah, I made a I made a huge point that before they went into Spider Mountain, they had they were taking a long rest at the edge before they were gonna go in the tunnel that leads them in and they had an encounter. Spiders dropped on them on the last watch of the morning. And so all of their players had their long rest, but then they had this fight. And I and I made sure that they went in, they'd had this next fight, and I said, Everybody needs to keep absolute track on purpose for these next couple sessions of your hit dice that you're using and what spell slots you've got, because this is going to be a long out battle and I want it to be really authentic. So I came right out and told them I'm doing this on purpose. And I want you guys to be really honest on your spell slots and on your hit mm-hmm. dice you're using in your long rest. Cause it's going to be a very interesting, I want it to be that type of battle where it feels like they're slowly running out of everything they have, and it's dire and things are about to get crazy. Yeah. And, you know, like I want that tension of, oh my God, we don't have our big spells. We don't have our mm-hmm. height, hit dice. We've used all our hit dice at this point. But there's a point where it could come up. They could take a short rest and they have no hit dice to use. Yeah. You know, so no, I, I want to have that happen. Yeah. And if you follow the rules, I think if you take a long rest, you only get half your hit dice back. Half. So yeah. if you start whittling them away with skill challenges or, or short rests and stuff, it can, it can add up, you know, like yeah. if they're, if they're lost in the jungle, you know, the first couple of days might be fine. And then the next couple of <laughs> days might be like, well, even if we, if we take a long rest, I'll still only get like three hit dice back, you know, yeah. we're only level six. So yeah. yeah and this fun. is the, this is the campaign where we have the rule of uh, every morning when you take your ration, we roll to see if the ration has spoiled in your pack. So they were out day one. Um, no, it was day two. So the way I do it is on day one, you take a D20, you roll a, uh, a D20. If you roll a one, then your your ration has been spoiled. So you have to roll another one to see if that one is fine. And you know, most of the time, nobody rolls a one. But as you go to day two, if you roll a two or a one, it's spoiled. 
Mm-hmm. You go to day three, three, two, or one is spoiled. So we're on second day, our, our main fighter, great sword fighter. I say, okay, everybody, we just had our second day. You need to roll your ration. He rolls a one, a two, a two, a one, and finally like a 10. So he goes through five of his rations all at once. And it's like your pack is just has a bunch of spoiled rations in it. And that just ramped up tension automatically for him too. It was like, whoa, I almost just ran out of food here. <laughs> We're only two days out. So that's a cool awesome. little mechanic that they get into. So I think it's been pretty fun. Well, sweet. But uh, the last thing, um, and then we're on our Saturday morning show. We had nothing that happened on Friday. Uh, I'm a, we're going to have a Sunday show, Standard Array, where we're talking about um, Numenera and the way they've been marketing the new product that's about to come out. And I love Monty Cook games. So even though that discussion may seem a little critical of the way they've been marketing this new product, I love their company. So it's not like I'm, I'm trying to diss them or be down on them, but it does seem like there's some confusion between what Numenera 2, Numenera Discovery, Numenera Destiny, what all this stuff is. And we're going to try to clear up a little of that um, confusion, I think, on cool. that show. So if you want to know about that stuff, you can sign in uh, tomorrow night at about 8 or 9. And then, I don't know, maybe Jordan gets a D&D game going. Yeah. Maybe there'll be some D&D that would be late fun. tonight Actually, and l- literally after we finish this show, we should talk about it and see because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I haven't played D&D in like three weeks and I miss it so much. Yeah, I keep telling a grip of the green that I want to get her in a in one of our games too. So we'll have to see. I know some players that want to play. Okay, that is me and my uh, role playing. Hey Jordan, what'd you do in role playing? Over yeah, this last week? <laughs> absolutely nothing. Uh, <laughs> but I had a fantastic trip to Thailand. So I went on my honeymoon, and it was really really fun. Uh, super exhausted. Like just it's a thirteen hour time change. So, and we were do pretty good until about like seven or eight o'clock at night. And then I would just be like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. And you start doing the math and it's like five in the morning, you know, in the United States. And I was just like, oh, so that was fun. But like we saw elephants and we went and like fed and bathed and washed elephants and stuff. And uh, I went snorkeling, saw a bunch of fish. We went boating to different islands, like we did a whole bunch of stuff, ate like delicious, delicious Thai food. Um, and my wife is super picky. So we went to a couple places where she could get like kind of more Western food. Um, but I was, I was fairly adventurous. We did go to one restaurant that had like straight up fish heads. And I was just like, Ooh. I don't know if I'm ready to eat something that can look at me. So maybe I'll pass on that. But yeah, yeah. now um, when you say Thai food, is it is Thai food and Thai American food, like the American types of Thai food mm-hmm. you can get here. Is that anything the same or no, is that like everything surprisingly else? Totally similar. Different? Yeah. Surprisingly okay, similar. Okay. So like there was like pad Thai, like, like noodles and chicken and vegetables kind of mixed up. Um, they had a lot of, a lot of curries. So a lot of different like coconut curries and stuff. Um, nice. there's a great picture of me. Like we went to an Island and they totally had just like coconuts and I thought it was like a fruit smoothie in a coconut, but no, they just like crack open a coconut and you just drink the coconut milk. And so there's a great picture of me, like holding this coconut, like I'm on an Island. Like, look at me, <laughs> typical tourist. Like, oh, it was fun. We went kayaking in caves. Um, they had like this, this river went or yeah, the river that went into the ocean went through this cave. And so we were like kayaking in these old caves and stuff. 
Um, if you are a patron of me, I put a video of a bunch of the videos that I took. I made like a little Google video and put it up there on the internet so you can uh, watch that if you're a patron. But yeah, it was a really, really fun trip. Um, kind of super unplugged from a lot of it. Like I said, I, I didn't, I checked Twitter a little bit, but I didn't really follow what was going on. I was going to ask you, I did see that people are getting these keys sent from Wizards of the Coast. Have you seen that? I have not. Yeah. They're like, um, they're like a, it's a silver key that's got like a thumb drive on the end. And then there's pictures that they sent out to like Matt Colville, Nate from WSAD20 got one. I think Matt Mercer got one and they have an image on them that uh is like i don't know some part of the puzzle that that is happening with uh stream of many eyes so Uh something to keep an eye out for um i'm digging into this now to kind of see what's going on but yeah it's it seems like interesting stuff so (laughs) yeah we'll have to to ask nate that would be the one person yeah well he he posted he got a letter (laughs) a letter from elminster um nice. and uh he got a letter from elminster and a bunch of and and then it's got this like picture and i think it's just like a missing piece of a puzzle and we're supposed to we the community of D are supposed to take all these different pictures and, and figure out the puzzle from there so it's kind of neat kind of really really neat yeah there's um, matt mercer uh, the link is in the chat if you want to see matt mercer's tweet there you on go. his no stone unturned that okay i was yes. seeing the hashtag no stone unturned i have been seeing that i just didn't know what it was all completely about so hashtag no stone unturned and figure that out um i think next week i'm gonna dig into this as much as possible and so maybe next week for the saturday morning D show i'll have some more information on it um and then yeah i was in i was in thailand what else can i say other than that the new Monera game that i play um the finale is this monday and I think we're all going to dress up. I'm going to like, my character has a robotic arm. So I'm going to like tinfoil my arm and that should be really fun. Um, but yeah, you should definitely come out for the finale of Numenera Fury. It's going to be lots of fun on the Saver Dice channel. Uh, so what happens after that to your schedule? I have Mondays open unless we oh want to continue doing something else. But yeah, I'll have Mondays free. So nice. I don't know. Gosh, I want to play D&D so bad. We got to like plan something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. But yeah, yeah, so that's been a lot of good D&D. Um, it's super cool that you had a great vacation. We're super happy you're back. Yeah, I'm um, happy to be back. All the all the Gen Con event stuff has been open, so we started um, signing up for that stuff. We know there's a lot of YouTube people going and streamers going. They're going to do some meetups and stuff. And there's um, – I uh, Critical Role said they're even going to have a booth at Gen Con this year. They're actually going to have a place oh, wow. where you can buy their merchandise and stuff. So they're going to be on the main floor – Plus, they'll be doing a live show. Lots of other shows that you know of like to do live shows at that place or podcasts do live shows. It's a real good, cool meetup. Um, so that's Graybeard's going. I'm going. We're trying to get um, quite a few people from the show are going. So it's been fun. Um, I should look at our week in D&D. And yeah. <laughs> so should I buy? I should buy a Gen Con ticket now and then figure out hotels and stuff later but i should probably get one well you've got floor space uh, yeah you you want to always do hotel if you're going to do your own early because they fill up super okay. quick because that town indianapolis is almost too small for the number of people that descend on gen con gotcha like they just don't have enough hotels to handle all the people that go 
but uh, there's there's plenty of room in our, in mine and Graybeard's room that if anybody wants to crash and save some money, they certainly. I wouldn't open that up to everybody, but <laughs> <laughs> true, you're gonna get like true like a million half people, the, half the chat. Uh, another quarter of the YouTube video uh, subscribers are going to be like, what? My dog is behind me with the loudest feet in the world. But yeah, uh, sweet. Cool. Well, this might be a shorter show unless you have something else you want to talk about. Well, I think that was about it. Um, we didn't have a lot of rules or any other stuff to, to that come up. You yeah. know, um, you know, it wasn't a lot of Adventure League. We went down to our game store to ask about Adventure League and they're only really playing it on one night. I really wish my game store played it more than one night because I think then it would be easier for me to schedule me to go down and become a an uh, Adventure League GM. Yeah, but I'm thinking um, about doing the same thing. The one. Oh, yeah. I did want to talk about um, my bard is level three, almost level four, and in Adventure League rules, you can use your downtime days to to bump yourself from four to five, and from I think nine to ten and. 15 to 16, like these different tiers, you can kind of bump yourself into the like tier two play, which starts at level five. So I'm really excited because my bard is basically going to be level five here in a couple weeks. And I guess um, at my Adventure League store, kind of what people do is they have, if you get a tier two character, then you will build a tier one character in case there's no tier two games happening. Um, So right before I left for Thailand, I was like, thinking about, oh, what, what should I build? What should I build? And so <clears throat> I'm losing my voice because I'm jet-lagged and tired. But uh, I built a transmuter dwarven wizard. And so I had this really cool idea of, like, a, a wizard that uses, like, um, mold stone and things like that, like a lot of these weird cantrips, and kind of make, like, a themed wizard out of it. So I think that might be my next Adventure League character. Um, nice. And play him kind of on the side. But uh, I really like the idea of having this, like, dwarven wizard. Like, it just seems really fun. And my stats are not the best because wizards need intelligence and the dwarf does not give you intelligence at all. So I think I have, like, a 14 in intelligence where the average would be, like, a 16 when you're doing kind of the standard uh, point by and stuff like that. But um, we'll see. He could be really fun. So I've got a lot of hit points. I think I had a 16 in con. So... (laughs) Yeah, we we did just discuss that really cool mechanic of um, being able at before you get to fifth level, you can change anything yeah. about your character that you're playing except the name. Like everything else can be changed. Changed. So I could have gone through this whole Tomb of Annihilation as my uh, human barbarian variant, and then all of a sudden, because I just hit four and I'm already halfway through four, mm-hmm. so I need to make this decision too on mine before we we get too far. And I could be like, ah, nah, I think I'm going to be a tiefling wizard. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, you could change anything. Like, yeah. How does that work in the fiction? But for Adventure League, it's harder to think about it that way. I think Adventure League is more about testing things out, playing things, and allowing people to drop in and drop out more than it is your cohesive story of yeah. your Dragonborn Paladin that's gone yeah. from this to this. You know, it's a little bit... Um, a little bit different than that. So we did have a big, long discussion about what we liked about it, what we didn't like about it. And for me, it's a really good rule because I am such a character building, I want to say the wrong word, (laughs) but it's like, I do it so much and I never stop. I've got character after character idea that I'm like, oh, I'm going to build this and I'm going to build this and I roll this up and then I roll that up. And I was like, so for me, anytime I can change my characters around, 
I love that idea. Yeah, that it's idea. fun. It's fun to try the, like this. New, and I think that was the idea with Adventure League too. Like you try this new mechanic and you're like, you know what? This spell or, and I did it with my bard. Like I, I chose um, two weapon fighting for my College of Swords bard. And I did a day of like two weapons fighting. And I'm like, you know what? Like I'm just not feeling this as much as I really liked the rapier. And I like having my bonus action available to hand out bardic inspiration rather than using my bonus action as an attack. So I switched to the um, you get an extra plus two damage um, with if you're using a a one-handed weapon and nothing in your other hand. Um, And so I switched to that to to get extra damage and then i have my bonus action free um this is my bonus action hand which is why i wave it around but i have my bonus action free to do um bardic bardic inspiration to my party and stuff and it's and that worked out really well so i love that i was able to change that kind of on the fly and figure out how i like to play my bard before i reach level five which is cool yeah yeah and i've liked playing my barbarian but i definitely have this art urge to say oh Maybe I could play a Hexblade Warlocker because at fourth, you can really build your character so it feels like your character. Because sometimes you have a concept that it doesn't feel like that concept until you hit fourth or fifth level, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't get the abilities you need to say, like, like when you remember you did your Iron Man build. Yeah. Like if you're doing that first level and second level, you don't feel like Iron Man yet, right? No, yeah. You don't yeah. have the things that make you feel like that. But if you say, Jordan, go ahead, we're going to play a campaign, and you can build a seventh level character. You can get pretty yeah. close to that feel now all of a sudden and you can start doing that. So when you hit that fourth, you get this idea of, okay, I like my character, but now this is what I could do if I built, like you said, the, the divination wizard or the, uh, I want to play the Hexblade warlock or even the multi-class because by fourth you can do a three, one split. Right. Mm-hmm. And that can give you like the, my thief shadow sorcerer, which is a really cool concept, and, but I couldn't do it until I was fourth. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. It, my brain just goes ex- explodes when I hit fourth or fifth level one. Oh, what could I do if I change everything? <laughs> it's a super cool mechanic. And it, for me, who likes to change things, I realize there's lots of players out there that they make the character and they fall in love with that character and they would never even think about changing their character. Cause they yeah. like, I'm sure Laura's never going to change Jester. Jester's a perfect character. You don't get to fifth level and think, ah, I don't want to play Jester anymore. You know, yeah, that's just yeah, such yeah. a good character. You want to play that one. But for me, I like switching around a lot. It's true. <laughs> well, geez, this was really fun. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming out and watching the Saturday Morning D&D Show. I'm excited to be back, um, and we will be back next week with another episode, and hopefully more. I'll have more D&D to talk about. Um, and keep an eye on Twitter, because maybe we'll post a game tomorrow uh, that will stream live. That, that could be really fun here on Sir Lucian's channel or maybe my channel. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll make it work. But I really want to play some D&D. So, yeah. So, thank you guys again so much for coming out. And we will see you next week? Question mark? Yeah? Maybe. No, we'll be here next week. We'll see you guys later. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. See you later. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.